Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. It is 1.15 a.m. here after a nice 27-17 Steelers preseason win in Tampa Bay. Very encouraging. Um, a lot to take away. Well, first of all, I'm pretty exhausted. I just finished a two-hour post-game show with Rob King. Several of the call-in folks mentioned that how much they enjoy this DK podcast that I do five days a week for you guys. That was super cool to hear. And this is going to be a short one, but I will get you another one over the weekend after I watch the game a second time. Watch the game, and then we went right on the air, taking calls, going over things in studio. I also did pregame in studio, so it's been a long one, to say the least. But, hey, I'm not complaining. Really encouraging. Now, I'm going to start with a negative note. And I just, a lot of you tell me I do a good job of keeping things in perspective. And I try to, and I don't like to overreact. I'm not a shock jock. I'm not doing things for clicks. So, one of the things I think my strengths are is telling you guys about the other 31 teams. And Tampa Bay, to their credit, went all in during the Brady era and spent like crazy and won a Super Bowl. And now they are paying the fiddler. They have tons of dead cap space. They're going to be bad this year. They're the only team in the league that is really having a true quarterback competition. And frankly, I don't think Trask or Mayfield is going to be one that they're happy with. But they also still have a lot of star power. Holdovers from that Super Bowl team and the Brady era that is now gone. Mike Evans, Vita Vea, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they didn't play any of them. (laughs) And because of all their dead money and because of the returning star power, this team's middle class is about as bad as it gets. So everything I'm going to say after this slight little conversation is pretty much going to be positive. But please have some perspective. I think this is about as easy of a week one preseason opponent as you could get in the league, considering the way the team is built. That being said, it was ridiculously hot in their building. And you would think Tampa Bay would handle the extreme heat better than the Steelers. So, I'm sure Coach Tomlin loved his guys, and not that the Steelers played. <laughs> Let's start there, too. Steelers sat a lot more people or played sparingly than originally advertised. You know, Cam Hayward didn't dress. I mean, a lot of these dudes, Joby and Porter got, you know, slight injuries, didn't play, et cetera, et cetera. So, this was not the Steelers' A team either. That being said, the Steelers had better players in this game than the Bucs. I mean, there's just no doubt about that in my mind. Their starting quarterback was out there, starting offensive line. And I think the Steelers' depth is probably the thing I'm most encouraged about. But again, the team they played was as easy as you can get. But you still played 126 total plays in extreme heat, won this game 27-17, and... 10 of those points that you allowed were as about as much garbage time as you can imagine. I mean, the 10 points allowed 
I wonder how many of those players on both teams will be professional football players this year. So late preseason breakdowns or not great play, especially in week one, doesn't bother me that much. It just doesn't. You know, the first half, the first three quarters is way more important. Um, My biggest takeaway is what I saw, I've watched every training camp practice. What I saw live in Latrobe at St. Vincent's showed up in a real stadium. Practice translated to games and important young players that this team's going to have to count on this year, maybe for the next decade, translated to a professional football game against an opponent they don't see every day in practice. That's phenomenal to me. So... Again, I'm going to make this podcast quick, and I'm going to do my best to get you another one over the weekend, and I definitely will get an article to you soon with observations, things to look for for next one, etc. But as I often do with my post-game stuff, I want to buzz through a couple stats from the game. Um, It's not the same as a normal regular season game stats, but still there were some Important things that I pulled aside. Again, 126 total plays in extreme heat. That's not a ton of plays, but it's still 126 plays that your NFL players that have not lined up against an opponent since last year had to perform. Steelers were pretty bad on third downs, but from what I saw, that was mostly late in the game. They were only 4 of 12. Tampa was really bad on third downs, 4 of 14, also 0 for 2 on fourth downs. But that was start to finish. I mean, that was Mayfield. That was Trask. That was who their starting quarterback is going to be. One of those two dudes really getting shut down. They only gave up. The Steelers only gave up 66 rushing yards in this game, too. And never did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run the ball well at all. Steelers averaged 5.7 yards per play. Tampa averaged 5.1. And again, the fourth quarter made these numbers closer than they were. If I'm the Bucs, and some of this has to do with the Steelers being the better team, the Bucs had 12 penalties for 127 yards. And a lot of that was early in the game and pre-snap stuff. And whew, my takeaway was this is going to be a long year for the Bucs. Bucks did control the clock, but again, a lot of that was late in the game. They had a little over 32 minutes of time of possession. Total yards were almost identical, 340 to 339. But when it was mattered, it really wasn't that competitive to me. Um, Two turnovers, two turnovers created, but they were interceptions by Morgan and Trubisky. Um, The Morgan stuff I'm not particularly worried about. And then another number I found interesting that a caller called in tonight about, that I need to double check, but I did some homework on it. Uh, Pierre had 10 tackles, and if you just box score scout, you would think, boy, they're picking Pierre apart, and he's coming up and making the tackle after the catch. Wasn't really the case. I mean, he allowed a touchdown, but his coverage was really, really good, and that was a tremendous football play. And after kind of studying this a little bit more, a lot of his tackles were him coming up after a running back got free and him stopping a big play. So... I found it interesting that he had 10 tackles in this game 
And tackles is a number I stress a lot, but they weren't because he was getting picked on. Um, again, I'm going to take a quick break and I want to talk about a couple individual players and then I'm going to bed and we will talk about this later this weekend. All right, let's start with Kenny. He was in total command. He was very, very sharp. The numbers are fine, small sample size, but he carved up a bad defense and did really good stuff and looks like a good starting quarterback. You know, great, great performance. Pickens obviously needs to be brought up as well. Middle of the field, great play. The stuff we've been saying we want to see more of, some after the catch stuff between the numbers downfield, not just go routes. Calvin Austin, his speed is very, very real. The end of rounds are different when he gets them as opposed to Gunner last year. The go routes, the space he creates to others, the deep stuff. Calvin Austin needs to play. Um, Overall, I thought the offensive line played really well. Opened some big holes in the run game. Really good in protection until the end, which again, uh, I almost want to throw the fourth quarter out. I'm missing anyone else. Oh, Connor Hayward. More of what I did. He's a perfect example of what I've been telling you guys every time about, boy, he stands out in practice. Boy, he does a lot of stuff. Well, he had a carry. He had a nice play in the middle of the field after the catch, did some things. So, Connor Hayward's a keeper. Defensively. Benton was a standout to me. He, he hobbled off, but from what I understand, just reading about it, Coach Tomlin did not address that injury. So maybe it's nothing. Maybe they just don't know. But he walked off on his own power, didn't return. Rumor has it it's an ankle. Maybe it's a couple weeks, hopefully. Maybe it's nothing. I don't know. Um, Who else? Oh, Herbig. Herbig. These are all the names we've been talking about in practice. I mean, that's why I keep going back to that. Like, took the practice stuff to the field. Now I'll do it again next week. Now I'll do it again in week one. But Herbert had a sack and a half and was really hard to block as a pass rusher. It's great. Quan Alexander, flying around the field, gives them range, explosion, and speed at the second level, as well as experience. Great. Mentioned Pierre. I'm certain there's a couple standouts that I have not mentioned. Broderick Jones, the first-round pick, of course, played a lot of snaps. I'm excited to look at the snap counts. I have not yet or have access to them. His Georgia buddy, Washington, looked like he played early and late and everywhere in between. Great. Get those guys playing a lot of snaps in NFL stadiums, as Coach likes to say. Rudolph did some good things. McFarland, another guy. I keep saying Austin, McFarland, Herbig. I know they all played different positions, but they're all small dudes that should shine in non-contact, non-padded stuff. But they did here too, you know, and they have a purpose. And they've been giving those guys a lot of attention in practice. And it paid off in this game. Now, the next step for all these guys, of course, is 
Will it pay off next week? I think coach said something like, we're not breaking our hands, patting ourselves on the back. Of course. But will it translate to the regular season? It's a good first step, folks. That's all I'm going to say. It's a good next step. Training camp was a good first step. This is a good next step. I'm encouraged. Remember who they played. It was a bad opponent, even by preseason week one, August 11th standards. But they pretty much wiped the floor with it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Um, I need some sleep. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.